We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, so we're back on. So I apologize. So we're back. We'll start over. This is the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Uh, all I talked about to, to kick the show off is we're going to start a regular feature, and we're going to start doing these recruiting shows at night. I think Wednesday night is the best the night that we'll probably start doing it. And tonight we're going to kick off with talking wide receiver, focusing on the 2022 wide receiver class. And the reason we're going to start with wide receiver is because this is the position – that to me, I think has a lot of people concerned. And when you look at who they have committed and then what's on the board, some of the players that they've lost and just where things stand with Notre Dame, it's a position of concern. And I think there's also legitimate concern about uh, where things are with Coach Alexander and the job he's doing. So tonight we're going to cover, we're going to go all over the receiver board. We're going to talk about you know, where th- who's on the board right now, some of the players they lost, how big miss they were or, or not, uh, we'll talk about what needs to be done, where things stand with each recruit. We'll talk about who I like. We'll talk into some film. We'll get into all that stuff. So those are the things that we're going to do tonight. And of course, we're going to answer your all, all your questions as we go through it. Some of the questions I'll take as we're going through the show, if they're uh, kind of not real, sort of uh, pertinent to the what I'm discussing at the time, but then at the end, we'll dive through a lot of the questions. So let's just dive right into uh, wide receiver recruiting. Overall, and, and where things stand. So, when you look at oh, big picture, where is Notre Dame with 2022 recruiting? So, to, to, to understand that, we have to start with what are the needs. And I think when you look at where Notre Dame is the last couple of years, they've done a really good job filling up the last two classes, back to back three man classes. 
with, in my opinion, two high-level players in each class, be Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watson in 2020, and Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey in 2021. And then a third guy, which is a solid player that I think is a good ball player that was a, a lower four-star guy, but a guy that can play in both classes, which is Jay Brunel in the 2020 class and Jaden Thomas in the 2021 class. You look at the 2019 class. The receivers in that class were, were Kendall Abdul-Rahman and Cam Hart. Well, Cam Hart's now playing defensive back, and Kendall Abdul-Rahman is transferred out. So there's nobody from that class. So I still believe Notre Dame is in a position in the 2022 class where you need another strong three-man class. And that's where they are. And, and I think there's some concerns about, you know, can they get to three with quality players? When you look at who's in the class, right? You look at Amorian Walker. To me, Amorian Walker is a very low floor guy with a high ceiling. Notre Dame took him hoping, thinking uh, that when he gets to college, gets coaching, that he's he's going to get in the weight room. You're going to see another burst of explosiveness. You're going to see his game speed take off and those type of things, which is all fine. I'm a little concerned about that because I, I look at how long it takes Dell Alexander to develop the guys that they're getting. If it's now going into the, to year two and you still don't have Jordan Johnson ready to play, what are you going to do with a guy like Amorin Walker, who's one of the most raw receivers Notre Dame has signed in the last decade? That's concerning for me. And I think if you're Brian Kelly, you have to look at that and think about that. If it took you four years to develop Miles Boykin, if Chase Claypool really didn't start taking off till his third year, Javon McKinley till year four, on and on and on and on. A, a guy like Amorin Walker, who's who's as raw as he is, that, that's a concern for me. So that's another reason that that commitment concerned me. But here's what Amorin Walker has. Great size and length. Can't teach that. Very good ball skills. He That's one thing he is not raw at is the ability to catch the ball. Good body control, good hands, uh, good hand-eye coordination, tracks the deep ball relatively well. And there's some athleticism there for to work with. So he's he's not like this project that's never going to pan out. He, he may not pan out, but there's some things to work with. But you're going to need a really good coach to get that done. Look at sort of what's next. What Notre Dame need a receiver to fill out his class? There is, in my opinion, this is my opinion, and 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 I think this is where Notre Dame is at. They would like to have, and I would definitely like for them to have, at least one more slot guy one guy that is sort of that um is dynamic with the ball in his hands that's got speed that's got playmaking ability that can do all the things that you need him to do uh that you just you've complained as a staff you haven't had in recent years right that's what they talk about we don't have enough playmakers or receivers you need at least one guy that can do that from the slot that can make those kind of plays there's one guy on the board that we're going to talk about there uh, and then after that, I would like to see Notre Dame get another big receiver. And 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 it's got to be a big receiver, though, with some skill. And he's got to either bring vertical ability or he's got to bring possession ability. And we'll get into that as well. It can't be another project. And, and, and you have to be careful how you fill out this class. And for me, when I look at Notre Dame and I and I view them as as where they're at the board, there's some guys on this board that you say, you have to take this guy, and you can't take this guy until you find out what's going on with this guy, this guy, or this guy, and we'll dive into that. So let's pull up the board here real quick as we kind of dive into this. Based on what I've been able to, to, to ascertain as far as guys that they're – this is guys that Notre Dame has offered, 
and guys that I view as the top of the board right now. This is not the board in its entirety, but the top of the board. And so that's what we're going to look at right now. So this is how I see it. Now, I have Xavion Bradshaw up there because for me, he is kind of all by himself because he's really the only slot player that's that's left for Notre Dame. Uh, uh, he can do other things. He's not a pure slot, but he is the slot player. They lost Tyler Morris, or uh, obviously this week. He went to Michigan. I don't think that's actually a huge loss to me. Um, not only did he just recently tear his ACL, and I think Tyler Morris is a good, solid player, but he's not a dynamic player. Xavion Bradshaw is a dynamic player. Caleb Brown's a dynamic player. But right now, Notre Dame has zero shot with Caleb Brown at this point in time, which is disturbing that a kid from Chicago, a Catholic school in Chicago is just not even on the radar for Notre Dame, and he doesn't have Notre Dame on his radar. Then after that, these other seven guys are outside guys for me. These are guys with some size. These are guys that bring a little different skill set to the table. And the reason I think this is important, because Notre Dame's had so many big guys in recent seasons, but over the last couple of recruiting classes, they just haven't brought in a ton of size. You have Deion Colsey. Kevin Austin's going to be probably gone by the time this class shows up. Uh, Jordan Johnson's your next biggest guy at what, like six, one and a half, right? So I do think there's a need for some size uh, in this class. And Warren Walker has some of that, but I'd like to see that second receiver be a bigger guy. What they can't do, in my opinion, is grab a is bring in a class of three guys that contains two guys from this board and a Maureen Walker. You could have a pretty good class that way, but I then it, I think you're getting into the danger zone of you're you're now bringing in all the vertical players and not enough guys can do things after the catch and do things from the slot. So that's the board for Notre Dame at this point in time as I see it. And now let's kind of go through it and, and talk about it. Let's talk about where things are with Xavion Bradshaw. So things are slow with Xavion Bradshaw and it's sort of on him. And, and I don't mean that as a, as a bad thing. He's just, he just finished up his junior season. He hasn't been overly focused on recruiting because he's been playing ball and, and his season just ended. So now that that's either over or getting close to being over, you're going to start seeing him set up some visits. He has one going to North Carolina, I believe, but Notre Dame is pushing to get a visit from him uh, Eric Rutter talked to him recently, and he's talking about he is working with Notre Dame to set up a visit, which is huge. They have to get him on campus and get him on campus as soon as possible. Uh, with Tyler Morris out of the class, with Caden Saunders not really an option, with Caleb Brown not on the board, he becomes one of the biggest must-get players in this class. And and to me, Xavion Bradshaw is a difference maker. And, and look, this is the ultimate who you're going to trust. Star rankings, the coaches – people that evaluate film, uh, the star rankings tell you a story that this is a, a low three-star kid. The film, to me, tells me a completely different story. Uh, I think this is a dynamic player. And when I look at Xavion Bradshaw, the comparison I've, I've liked to use is he reminds me a lot of Peter Wark coming out of high school and what Peter Wark was in college in that I don't know if he's a, a, a burner from the Will Fuller sense where he's a 4-3 guy, that kind of thing, uh, but he is fast enough and he's dynamic enough, but more importantly, I like the fact that he gets to full speed in step one. And if you remember, Peter Warwick ran in the four fives, I believe, at his, at his pro day. He was not a burner. Uh, but in college, he was a big play receiver because he had great elusiveness, great suddenness. He knew how to run routes. He knew how to get open. He had great vision once the ball was in his hands. And, and when you look at uh, Xavion Bradshaw, I see a lot of those same skills. And let's not forget, his dad was a National Football League running back. So uh, if you're someone who believes in DNA, 
Now, that was something that I, you know, those genes being passed down, that is something to consider. This is a dynamic football player. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Xavier Bradshaw. I think what he does is he brings an element to the table uh, of, of that, just that you don't have to, there's a need in today's game have players that you don't have to design plays to to get them the ball down the field. Guys, you, you you don't have to necessarily run route concepts. Guys that you can say, let's get them a reverse. Let's get them a jet sweep. Let's get them a screen play. Let's get them on a crossing route. You know, those, those, those are easier plays to game plan for and to make sure that you're going to get guys the ball and guys that can then do that and be dynamic with it. And Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of that. And I think Xavion Bradshaw brings a lot of that to the table. And I'm, I'm going to pop pull up his film here real quick, and we can watch some of his film as we're talking about him. But for me, I, I think he's a big recruit. He, he's a, he's probably one of the five recruits in this entire class that you could say, if, if I had to say, pick five guys that they just have to get in this class, he, he's going to be in my group of five. I think he's that important, uh, not just because of the kind of player he is, but I think also the fact that he fills a need that Notre Dame really just doesn't have a lot of. And when you think about it, this sounds crazy to say, but when you think about it, when he shows up to Notre Dame, Xavier Watts and Jordan Johnson are going to be juniors. I mean, that's kind of the crazy thing about how, how when you think about recruiting is it, those guys are going to be out, I mean, pretty soon. And so even more so, you're just you're 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 lacking that big playability. And as you all are going to see here, he brings some of that. Here's the other aspect to it. Xavion's the kind of guy, and you'll see, it, again, an example here. Watch this burst. Just catches that sucker and just gets to the corner. Just really outstanding speed. Turn the corner speed. He's also a very dynamic return man. And for people that like to talk about how Notre Dame lacks that big play guy in the punt game, well, to me, Xavion Bradshaw could be one of those guys, and you're going to see that. He's got suddenness. He's got that I-can-make-the-first-guy-miss type of elusiveness. He's got a strong lower body. He's tough, which you'll see on some of his defensive film. This is the kind of guy that you can get the ball to and and, and get after. And, and Gabe Weiss, I see your question. Why is he rated so low? I can't answer that for you. Um, I'm not a part of the recruiting process for those for those other folks. I think that part of it, if I had to guess, is the fact that we've we didn't have camps last year. And he lives out in the middle of nowhere. He lives out in Bluefield, Virginia, which is on the border of the state of West Virginia. It's closer to Tennessee than it is Richmond and, and Norfolk and you know, in Virginia Beach, where most of the top talent in the state is, and, and Northern Virginia as well. Uh, here's a punt return. You know, and and that's why I think too, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of really variation in the recruiting rankings. For example, 247 Sports and Rivals both have Nicholas Anderson, who some of y'all are asking about, and I'm going to talk about. They have him as a three-star player. Rivals has him as low of a three-star as you can get. If he if he goes down a point, so like they have five, 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 six, and five, seven, three stars. Five, five is the lowest. Five, seven is the highest. If he goes down a point and is down to a five, four, he's a two-star player. ESPN has him in the top sixty nationally, not as top sixty as a receiver. There's the ball skills downfield from Bradshaw that I like. We don't see a ton of that just because they don't throw him the ball vertically enough, but you do see it at times. Um, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see that at times, but not a ton, but I like the fact that you can see it, but this is a kid that just has that burst. Look at that. Look at that takeaway. I mean, that's, that's big time right there. Uh, so, so it's, it, it is strange, but I think part of it in fairness to these, a lot of these analysts, and I'm not trying to hammer them for it is because 
a lot of these kids, some of these kids we have junior film on, some of them we only have sophomore film on. Some of these kids are um, not have not been to camp. Some of these kids are from high schools that are kind of out in the middle of nowhere that you can't get to because of the pandemic. You're not allowed to go to high school games. There's so many things that are working against the, the recruiting services that 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 normally make up what they do. I love that energy right there. And y'all can see as we're talking about him, this is a playmaker. I mean, this is a kid that is a flat out baller. Uh, and, and anyone that follows Virginia football knows that there's these random kids that come out of the western part of the state. Remember the, those two brothers from Big Stone Gap, Julius Jones and, and uh, Thomas Jones? Uh, you know, those guys, This that's, that's real nice tracking a deep ball right there, too. So, uh, again, I just I like what the kid brings to the table. I think he's got some really dynamic skills, and I think he can be a, a game changer. Here's that punt return. Look, makes that first guy miss, gets vertical, and then you just see that acceleration. You see him running through arm tackles. This this kid is a, this kid is a special player. So that's where we're at with him now. Right now, if I had to guess, I would say North Carolina is probably his leader simply because he hasn't been anywhere. Uh, he he hasn't taken a lot of visits, and North Carolina is not that far away. And if we're being honest right now, if you're a receiver and, and you're looking at which offense is going to be more receiver friendly for you, North Carolina's offense right now, if you look at 2020 to 2020, Notre Dame's offense is not very receiver friendly compared to what we saw this past year in, in North Carolina's was very receiver friendly. So I think that that's going to factor into this conversation in regards to where's he looking. Having said that, this is why visits are so important. You get a kid like Xavion Bradshaw on campus. What we've talked to, Eric Rudder's interviewed him. We know that the academic piece is going to be important to him. He is looking at a school that has good academics. Notre Dame obviously has that. They have to fight like crazy to get this kid on campus. I believe to the question that 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 we uh, that we have here from from C. I think if they get him on campus, they're going to have a great shot with him. Uh, I, I think that's going to be the big key, but they've got to fight like crazy to get him on campus. The good news, if you missed it at the beginning, is that he is working on setting up a visit to Notre Dame. So I think when we look at Xavion Bradshaw, uh, that's the pause. I'm going to let you watch these last couple clips before we move on to somebody else. All right. So y'all can see that's another job. And again, that's, that's not a play that translates well to college, right? Because you're not going to get guys that wide open at the next level in college. But I, again, what I look for is, does he track the ball well? Those type of things. Now, what you will see from this film is he does need work as a route runner, but that's fine. That's what coaches should be getting paid for. He also plays defense, and I like guys that play defense because I think there's just a, a level of toughness. I think that's one of the things I really liked about Chris Tyree. That's there's that vision, nice cut. Look, I mean, he's just putting his shoulder down and running over people. I like that. So anyway, that is Xavion Bradshaw, and that gives you a, a bit of a sense of why I really like that kid uh, as a high school player. So, so that's kind of where we are. And Michael Scheller asking about, I'm going to get to all these guys. That's kind of what we're going to get for. But to me, I really wanted to spend some extra time on Xavion Bradshaw because he is so unique and he is a different type of player that I believe that Notre Dame really, really needs. And, and he is to me, again, I'll say it again. He is one of the big muskets in this class. So let's say that they are able to get Xavion Bradshaw. Just for the sake of argument, let's say they get Xavion Bradshaw and you're able to add him to the class uh, that um, already has a Maureen Walker. 
So then you say, well, what's next? Well, what's next is you've got to get one of these big boys. And I'm gonna pull the I'm gonna pull the board up here now. This is so Xavion Bradshaw's that slot guy. This is the rest of the board, and I put this board in order of my preference, sort of breaking down the film, ranking the film. Here's how I see these guys. So obviously, go left to right: Tobias Merriweather, C.J. Williams, Darius Clemens, Andre Green, Taylor Groves, Nicholas Anderson, and Joseph Griffin. So that's kind of the guys that I like, and that's the order in which I would like them. So let's kind of talk about what each of those guys brings because they're all a little different. And I think when you look at uh, Tobias Merriweather, the reason he is probably the top of my, and with him and CJ Williams, it's for me, it's one, a one B give me either one of those guys. And, and I'm happy. I would say that I believe that CJ Williams is the best player on that board today. I, I don't think it's close. I think CJ Williams is a, he's got good size. He's six, one, six, two. He's strong. Uh, he's a very polished route runner, very good ball skills, plays against great competition, better athlete than people give him credit for, can do a little bit after the catch. But I think he's also a guy that when he gets to college, he's going to see another level and be take take off. So I think – and you know, people talk about separation. I see more separation than other people do. I think the other thing about him is you have to understand he's going against college players. I mean, guys are also going to be playing in college. He's not going against – Kids are going to be getting recruited by D3 schools and D2 schools and things like that, or kids who are never going to play college football. He's going against the best of the best around the country and still making plays. So I, I like C.J. Williams a lot more than others, and he's, to me, got the highest floor of all the receivers on the board. The reason I and, – and so the guy that I've compared him to, and I'd say he's probably about maybe an inch shorter, uh, half an inch shorter, but the guy that I really like to compare him to is Juju Smith-Schuster as far as the kind of player that he is. Big body, but not super tall, but got good length, not an elite athlete, not a burner, but a polished player. And when I look at C.J. Williams, to me, he's a volume pass catcher. He's not a guy you're bringing in to, to throw a million post routes and throw a million goal routes and, and beat teams down the field. He's not Will Fuller. He's a guy that could have eight catches for 105 yards. He's a guy that could go out and have 80-plus catches for – you know, a thousand yards. He's not going to average 19 yards a catch. He's not going to have a million deep balls. He is a volume pass catcher. And I think there's a big need for that. Even against teams like Bama and Clemson and Ohio State, you have to kind of have that go-to guy that you can build your offense around. And then everyone else kind of compliments that player. Or if you have a dynamic player in the slot or a dynamic player to the field, a Will Fuller type or a Xavion Bradshaw type, then now you, if you the defense has to roll their coverage to him, then you're going to start getting a lot more one-on-ones into the boundary. And I think CJ can be a very good boundary player. I also think he could be a nice field X because of his route running ability and his possession type of skills. And I think there's a need for that. Guys like that are great on third down. Guys are like that are great on first down because, again, there's going to be a higher reception rate, a higher completion rate, your yards per catch is going to be down, but you need those guys to be successful on first down to get those catches of eight, nine, ten yards. You need those guys on third down and five to be really effective players. And that's what I like about C.J. Williams. And then you look at Tobias Merriweather, and he's the exact opposite of C.J. Williams. And, and when I look at Tobias, I see a guy that right now is still developing. He still needs work on his game. There's, there's a lot of polish that he needs. And, and I think his body needs to fill out a lot. There's a lot of room for growth left for him as a player. And and he's a guy that that I like because, number one, I mean, he's got talent. He's got skill. Those are things to see. He's he, I'm going to show some junior film of him as we're talking about him. 
But Notre Dame's in surprisingly good shape with Tobias Merriweather. I think if I were to, he hasn't listed a top five, but but you know, talking to different sources and people that 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 I that I know are the connected to this recruitment, I would I would argue that Notre Dame's in the top three for him right now. Again, the big key, they got to get him on campus. If they can get him on campus, then I think they'll have a shot. And I'm going to pull up some junior film of Tobias Merriweather uh, so you can see it while we're talking. He's six three, six four long limbed. He's, he's a lot faster than he looks. He reminds me a lot of T Higgins. And, and I wrote about this in my, my film evaluation for him at Irish breakdown, my mini film evaluation that I put into the player profile. You remember T Higgins ran, I think a mid to high four forward his pro day. He was pretty, pretty good, pretty good, big play guy in college. He's been a pretty good big play guy so far in the NFL. And, and despite the fact he doesn't run a blazing 40 time because he's that long strider kind of guy. And with his length, he, I always say this, you don't, Chase Claypool was this way, although Chase Claypool was more explosive athletically. But the thing I liked about Chase Claypool was if he was covered, he was still open because he's so big. And that's the thing about T Higgins. And, and that's the thing I like about Tobias Merriweather with that length, with his ball skills, you know, just throw it up to him and, and you can catch a 40 yard gain. So to me, I really love his, his potential. I love his talent. I think you can see the length there. Uh, you know, he's a guy that th these kind of things he's doing right here after the catch, I don't see him doing a ton of that in college, but he could do some things like Chase Claypool did where, you know, you run a drag route, a crossing route, an in cut, you catch the ball. He's got enough speed that if you're not there to tackle him, he can outrun you. I just don't think he's going to be making a lot of people miss real good ball skills. There takes the hit, hangs onto the ball. He's got to fill out. He's a pretty skinny kid, but man, I love this kid's talent. I love his potential. You see him catching the ball away from his body can run away from competition. I, I really like Tobias, and I like where Notre Dame is at. So let's first talk about these three players. So you talk, we talked about Bradshaw. He's not a highly ranked guy, but I love him. I think Notre Dame is is, is going gonna, is gonna to be a, a major factor for him. They just got to get him on campus. The next two guys I talked about, C.J. Williams and Tobias Merriweather. C.J. Williams is ranked by rivals as the number 27 player in the country. He's ranked by 247 Sports as the 47 player in the country. Right now, I grade him out around a top 50 caliber player. He's big time. He's a really good player. He's polished. Now, he's one of those guys that's going to be, you look at him as a freshman, and you look at him as a senior, and there's not going to be a whole lot of difference. He's he is because he because he is so polished. Whereas a guy like Tobias Merriweather may not be a dominant player as a freshman, but then he has a big jump in production and size and explosiveness as a senior. That makes sense. And so to me, that's also the difference between a floor and a ceiling. So when I look at Tobias Merriweather, he's ranked by 247 Sports as the number 78 player in the country. He's ranked by Rivals as the number 160 in the player in the country. I rank him as a top 100 recruit. Well, for all the, the angst about receiver recruiting, I, I think that when you look at these two players, I would argue that Notre Dame is in the top three for both C.J. Williams and Tobias Merriweather. I think right now there's at least a decent shot that Notre Dame gets at least one of those guys in his class. And then you, if you can then close on on Xavier Bradshaw, Xavier Bradshaw, then all of a sudden you start feeling really good about this receiver class. And so that's why I say there's a lot of angst and there's a lot of understandable angst because I don't think Coach Alexander is doing a great job of recruiting. I don't think he's putting in the work, but I think Notre Dame's prestige. I think Brian Polian's putting in the work with some of these West Coast guys. You're seeing Tommy Reese putting in work with some of these West Coast guys. And I think that's helping Notre Dame out quite a bit in regards to at least being in the game. And then when you get these kids on campus, look, you talk to Tobias Merriweather. He's a kid that values the academic portion of it. That is a part of the reason he is interested in Notre Dame. 
So you don't have to convince him that, hey, going to class is a good thing. That's already on his radar. Now it's about what can we do for you from a football standpoint. And of all the guys on the board, he's the guy that you probably have the easiest selling point with because you can just pop in film of Chase Claypool and and, and Miles Boykin, and there is actual recent evidence of him um, making making plays and doing those kind of things. So that's why I, I really like where they're at with those three guys. Now, when you look at C.J. Williams, he has he. I'm told he has a visit set up to Notre Dame. I don't believe that that has been made official yet. I'm checking my visit list yet so far, and I don't think he is on there. Um, no, he has not officially set one up. I'm told that Tobias Merriweather is in the process of setting up a visit. So I think both of those guys are are in good position to, to get visits to Notre Dame in June. That's At least that's what I'm told. I don't think either of them are in right now in position to – to really close. I think when you look at who they're after, USC is after both, I believe. Uh, Oregon obviously wants to buy us Merriweather. So those are schools that are going to be going to be in the key competition. But I, I, like I said, I really like where Notre Dame is at. Another player that's that to me is close to those two guys, but he's not quite there because he just lacks a little bit of that burst. Uh, but he's, a to me, a top 150 guy is Darius Clemens from Oregon. Rivals ranks him number 137, 247 sports and ranks him number 136. That's one where we ag- I agree with them on. I think that's where I have him. So I agree with them on, on, on CJ Williams. I agree with them on Clemens. I do not agree with them on um, Xavier Bradshaw. I think Rivals has Tobias Merriweather ranked way too low at 160. I think Rivals or 247 has him about right at number 78. So I think you look at those three those three guys, those are all big-bodied players. Now, the reason I don't have Darius Clemens as high is because I just I want to see him get back to campus. He's talked about maybe not taking another visit back to Notre Dame because he's already been to Notre Dame before. That's what he told Eric Rutter from Myers Breakdown. To me, yes, I know he's been there before, but I got to see him schedule an official visit before I really think he's serious about picking Notre Dame. And, and, and I like the fact he's been there and I think Notre Dame is legitimately in his top four to five. I know he's released a top group relatively recently. Notre Dame was in it. I don't think that they're in that top, top part of that just yet. I need to see him get back on campus, but he's another good, big physical receiver uh, that they're looking for. And, and to me, those are the three, you get one of those three with Bradshaw and I'm, I'm pretty pleased with this recruit, this receiver class. So I, I think there, there's a reason to, to have some optimism in my opinion. And, and I have some optimism about where they are now that the concern is, wh- will they be able to close? That's the big question mark. And that's one thing where Chip, Chip Long brought that. Chip Long could close. Can these guys close? That's a very good question. We don't know the answer to that. If we, if you remember, Lorenzo Styles and, and Deion Colsey were already committed to Notre Dame when when Chip Long left. Now Deion Colsey decommitted, and Notre Dame had to get him back in the fold. That's a different animal than than getting a guy to commit in the first place. So let's talk about what's next at receiver after that. Andre Green's a guy that I really like. He is a top two fifty, top two hundred caliber player. I don't see Notre Dame being a player with him. They're on him. They're recruiting him. I don't, I don't, they're not making a hard, hard push for him. And I don't think he loves Notre Dame. I think he liked him a lot earlier. I don't, I think they faded a little bit with him, but I think part of that is because they haven't really been as involved and active. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Him. And now if you get one of the three players that I already talked about, then it's fine. But if you miss out on those guys and you didn't prioritize Andre Green Jr., then you've, you've kind of hurt yourself. Couple other guys on the board. Taylor Groves. We had an article about him at IrishBreakdown.com. He's a big kid, a little bit more athletic than uh, than than some of these other guys on the, that we're going to talk about. But he's a guy also that was previously committed to Michigan. He's a big kid, six two, six three, good frame, can fill out quite a bit. But he's talked about liking safety more than receiver. And the last time we saw a big receiver like that, that liked playing defense more than offense, he ended up getting moved pretty quickly, and that was Cam Hart. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So that does concern me a little bit is, is where does Taylor Groves want to play? And I, when I watch him, I just don't see the upside that I see with the other guys ahead of him. Uh, but he's, he's a good player. But him, Nicholas Anderson... Joseph Griffin Jr., those are guys I would have taken if you didn't have a Maureen Walker in the class. But because you already have a Maureen Walker in the class, you can't take one of those guys, in my opinion. If, if we're being honest, you just you can't take one of those guys. They're not to the same level, the same caliber of player as the guys we already talked about. And if we're if what's the goal here, right? It's to it's to get to that next level, to to close the gap on Alabama, to close the gap on Ohio State and Clemson. I don't think a Maureen Walker does that. I don't think Nicholas Anderson does that. I don't think Taylor Groves does that. I don't think Joseph Griffin Jr. does that. To do that, you need Xavion Bradshaw, and you need one of those top two guys, May Merriweather or Williams. Clemens is good, but I think those other two guys are just a step above. So that's where they're at. That's where, where I see things. Joseph Griffin Jr. was a guy that was offered recently. I don't think that's necessarily a an offer that they're making to say, let's go push for that guy today. Did some digging on that today. It sounds like they like him. They want to get in the game with him. He's committed to BC right now. But I don't think there's any danger of him going out and committing tomorrow. I think that they're just in a position now that that is very interesting because you have to keep guys on the board, but you also can't you can't 
you got to make sure you don't expand your board too much. Then you're being spread too thin, but you also can't have it so narrow that if you miss your top players, you end up with nobody. And so that's that's one that I I kind of understand. So that's where the Notre Dame board is at. I see a lot of these questions you guys are asking about it. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into. Um, so uh, so this is a good question. Curious as to why you included Caleb Brown in the Notre Dame slot receiver big board. Seems like he has absolutely no interest in Notre Dame. For the same reason I included Caden Saunders and Tyler Morris. If I don't include those kind of players, then there's no control. There's no there's no understanding of where those guys truly are because then if you only have committed players at the end of the year, that Notre Dame has what has just the number of players each board. So I included those guys to give you sort of an idea of where those guys stack up. Plus, he doesn't have any interest in Notre Dame right now, and Notre Dame's not really pushing for him right now. Who knows? That could change. I think right now Michigan's making a play for him. Let's say he goes to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's team lays an egg again, which is certainly possible. I think we would all enjoy watching. And all of a sudden, okay, he's there to be had. Uh, so I, I think you always include a guy like that for what this board is, which was a, an evaluation of their talent. And if I only put guys that were just only guys are going to get, then I don't think it gives you as true of an indication of where guys actually stack up and rank. So I wanted you to have Xavier Bradshaw in there because I wanted, and I, with Caden Saunders and Tyler Morris, even though that board came out after Tyler Morris committed to Michigan, because then that allows you to see where he stacks up against those other highly ranked players, but also that he's not quite to the level yet as a Caleb Brown. And the big reason why is because Caleb Brown is, is, I think, a lot stronger than he is and a little bit more polished than he is. So uh, that's why he was on there. To, 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 so no, I don't see a lot of interest right there, but I also think that those things can change. And we've seen in the past that those, those things can change. So I'm trying to get through all of these. Uh, I muted comments. I appreciate y'all letting me know uh, that we're good to go here, but here's some, here's some other questions. Um. Ryan McCarty. So I ask another one. Does your ideal 2022 wide receiver class include Tobias Merriweather? Yeah. So I definitely, I did a sort of a dream class a little bit ago and the very top of my guy, my, my list was the two guys I talked about, which is Merriweather and uh, CJ Williams. To me, you've got to get one of those two guys. If you get one of those two guys and Xavier Bradshaw, like I said, I'm, I'm really liking this receiver class, especially when you complement it with last year. Because I think when you look at C.J. Williams and Tobias Merriweather, they're both outside guys. They both can play W, which is where Deion Colsey can play. But I think all three of those guys, including Deion Colsey, are guys could also play some X. So they can play together. You don't have to use them exclusively of each other or in a rotation with each other because they're just locked in as Xs. I think they can all move around and play different things. So I think that, yes, if if I could dry up, draw up my dream class, then yeah, I would I would take Tobias Merriweather or C.J. Williams and Xavier Bradshaw. And in a perfect world, Notre Dame gets a scholarship freed up and they take both of those big guys and Xavier Bradshaw. Um, Roderick Blackman says, we need speed and elusiveness. That I think you made that comment when we were talking about Xavier Bradshaw, and, and it, it's exactly right. That's why even – that's why to me, Xavier Bradshaw is, a, uh, is to me, from a ranking standpoint, is right there with C.J. Williams and Tobias Merriweather. I think upside-wise, I'd probably put Tobias a little ahead of him. But the reason that I think he's even more important is exactly what you said, Roderick, which is he brings an element that Notre Dame just doesn't have a lot of on this roster. And a lot of the guy, the guys that they do have, Avery Davis, Lawrence Keyes, a little bit of Brain Lindsay, are guys that can all be gone by the time this class shows up. 
and then it's what him, Xavier Watts, and Lorenzo Styles. And if you don't get him, it's just Lorenzo Styles and Xavier Watts. And even Lorenzo Styles is to me more of a vertical player than he is a shifty make you miss kind of guy. So yeah, I think that they do. I, they do have that. So, um, Gabe, I think I explained that to you during my analysis of why I'm so high on Xavier Bradshaw. If you have any other questions, feel free to ask. But you know, I just I watch the tape and I see a very talented player. I, I just I can only go on that. I'm not going to change my opinion because other people aren't as high on him. I can only give you my opinion. I could be right. I could be wrong. We'll, we'll find out, but that's just kind of what I see. Roderick makes a comment that Walker does have speed. And I, I've had this debate with a lot of different people, and there's people that said he runs this and the track thing. and all. I, I don't care about track speed. I, I really don't. Now, it's it's a nice thing to put into like articles and we're doing bios on kids because it gives you some context of their of their potential for speed. But I've also seen a lot of guys with track speed that don't play fast. And when I watch him more in Walker, I just don't see a guy that plays fast. I see a guy that's faster than most of the guys he's playing against, but that's true of guys that I recruited at the one double A and division three level as well. I just don't see that translation of speed right now. When I watch him play seven on seven, I don't see that explosiveness. I don't see that initial burst. I think he's got speed potential, but I don't see it right now. And I think that's why Notre Dame recruited him is because they see him as a guy that will eventually get into that potential. And and there are some tools to work with. And I think even if he doesn't see that big jump in speed, there's enough size and length and ball skills there where he can have a role. If the speed comes and he ends up playing the way that he supposedly tests and track, then you've all of a sudden got yourself a sleeper that can end up being a, a really good football player for you. All right, Dylan Hoffman, uh, who do you think is more to blame for the late development of the wide receivers, Brian Kelly and his system, or is it Dell Alexander? I, I would say it's a combination of both, but more so on Coach Kelly because we've seen this problem that exists before Coach Alexander got here. And, and I think it's also part of it is you, you're in a system where – or in a, in a program where when, when the season starts, the younger guys that aren't part of the rotation are running scout team and they're no longer in meetings with the, with the, with the first team. They're not going over game plans. They're not being coached on a daily basis, the way that other guys are. And I think that stunts their development. And then when you consider that they don't play a lot of younger guys in games, they're always late to get guys in and blowouts. And then when they do get them again, blowouts, it's just handing the ball off the whole time. There's just not a lot of opportunity for those guys to play. Whereas you look at Ohio state, for example, and, you know, Urban Meyer, I know this for a fact, Urban Meyer would basically take guys like Jordan Johnson or Xavier Watson and say, we need to make sure we play them at least X number of times, five snaps, 10 snaps, whatever, early in the season. And they did this with Chris Olave. If you look at Chris Olave when he was at Ohio State, his freshman year, he didn't really do a whole lot. He played uh, in most games, not all, but he got snaps in a lot of the early games. Didn't make a ton of catches early in the season, but they kept playing him. This is back in 2018. He caught one one pass against Oregon State, caught a pass three games later against Tulane, went five games without catching a pass, catches two against Michigan State, one against Maryland, and then he breaks out in the Michigan game, two catches for 48 yards, two touchdowns, has five catches for 79 yards and a touchdown in the Big Ten title game against Northwestern. Well, that doesn't happen at the end of the year if he wasn't getting that work early in the year and getting those opportunities early in the year, and that's where Notre Dame – in my opinion, needs to get better at. Dylan Hoffman, is Nick Anderson being looked at as more of an outside guy? Yes. He's a big, tall, long kid. He's a 6'3", 6'4", long strider kind of guy. There's some things to like about Nicholas Anderson. He's long. He's got good ball skills. He's smooth. Uh, He's got nice feet, decent route runner. 
I just don't see the explosiveness that I think Notre Dame, keep, again, that's what they keep talking about, how they're lacking, right? They need explosive playmakers. And to me, Nick Anderson's not that. He's a smooth, fluid, you know, solid route runner. If he's your number three receiver in a class, you've got a pretty good class. But I just don't see a guy that, to me, is, is a needle mover or improves your receiving core at all. I think it's actually, if you look at the top-level players they've landed the last couple of years, Lorenzo Styles, uh, Deion Colsey, Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts. To me, he's a step below those guys. And when you've already got got a Morin Walker in the class, you can't take Nicholas Anderson and be your number two. It just it's just not good to me roster management. Gabe Weiss, what do you who do you, what do you think of Joseph Griffin Jr.? Now, Joseph Griffiths Jr. is the player from Central Springfield, Massachusetts, that Notre Dame offered yesterday. What I think of him is. He looks the part. I mean, he's 6'4", he's filled out, he's muscular, he's got really good ball skills, he could be a good red zone weapon, but I see no burst from him coming off the line. And this is off his junior film. This isn't just off his sophomore film. His sophomore film shows me something. His junior film shows me the same thing. He's just a little thicker version of that. I see a guy that that doesn't have that second gear acceleration that sometimes you'll see with these big guys. Maybe they don't come off the line great. Miles Boykin was like this. It'll come off the line great because they're so long and that it's harder to kind of get that initial burst because the length. But then they build speed up. Chase Claypool had some of this. I don't see that with Joseph Griffin. I see the same issues with the bur- lack of burst off the line, but then I see the same issue running down the field. I just don't see him covering ground the way that, that you need a bigger guy to cover ground. And, yeah, he's getting deep against the awful competition that he plays in high school. But that that just doesn't translate. He doesn't show me the burst that you need. And so he's a guy that I would look at because I think there are some things to like. I love his size. I love his strength. I love his ball skills. He's a guy that you recruit. Bring him onto campus this summer if you can. Get him to one of your, you know, if they're going to have Irish Invasion or one of their team camps and see him up close and personal and see if that ex- if that speed is improved. Because if if he if he can improve his athleticism and speed, and he's a little tight-hipped, which concerns me as well, guys like that usually don't get a big burst in explosiveness when they get to the next level. Um, then, then they're, you know, then they're not going to get there. Ryan McCarty talks about Caleb Brown again. I truly think Caleb Brown just never liked Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame made a decent push for him, and he totally did not want to go there. That's not accurate, in my opinion, Ryan, and that's based on conversations that people that I work with have had with Caleb Brown, and and it was Notre Dame showed very little interest in him early on, and it was and it was supposed to be the receiver receivers coach. By the time Tom Reese got involved. Caleb Brown wasn't all that interested. I mean, you got Ohio State calling you, Michigan calling you, making you a priority, and the receivers coach at Notre Dame doesn't have time for you. You're not going to have interest in that. So I, I disagree with the notion that Notre Dame made a push for him. I don't think Caleb Brown was a guy that was ever enamored with Notre Dame. They had to win that recruitment. They had to be all over him from the beginning, and they weren't, and that's why they're not in that conversation right now. Uh, I don't think they handled that recruitment well. And again, this is coming from – people that they've had to face-to-face conversations with. We've heard that similar complaint from Tyler, from people around Tyler Morris. Notre Dame was late to really make a push because the receivers coach wasn't doing it. Tommy Reese got involved. He made a push. But by that point in time, it was a little bit, um, a little bit going. All right, here we go. So this is a Michael Johnson talks about Jeremiah Wusukoromo was a three-star of memory serves. Bradshaw could be a four or five-star upside. I agree with you, Michael. I, I mean, I, I think he's a four-star now. 
I think the only reason he's not a four star now to answer an earlier question is I, I I have to think it has to do with exposure and, and the emphasis that people place on camps uh, to to come up with their rankings. That's the only thing I can guess because it's not film related in my opinion. But yeah, like Jeremiah Wusukoromo, he was not a guy that the services had a, very much of an eye on, and I don't think Jeremiah went to camps either. But he's just a darn good football player and a really athletic, explosive guy. Another thing that people have to remember about the state of Virginia is Virginia is one of the the states that they don't have spring ball. Florida has spring ball. Texas has spring ball. I, I, I don't know about California, but a lot of those bigger states have spring ball or at least things you can do in the spring. In Virginia, they're, they're, they're really tight on what they allow you to do in the spring. And I think that is something also that um, that can limit you. Here's a good question from Brandon. He says, Taylor Groves or Nick Anderson? Um, I'd probably go with Nick Anderson on that one. I, I, I Taylor's probably going to rank a little bit higher because I, I think he's got a little bit more of a burst and I think he's a little bit more versatile. Some of that intangible grade is going to be a little higher, but as a pure receiver, I, I like Nick Anderson a little bit better. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that he's a good player. Uh, Dylan, I don't, I don't know what you're, why though with Nick Anderson, he plays six, eight Texas ball and they won state title. What do you mean? Why? Uh, could you elaborate on that? And then I'll, I'll certainly feel free to, I'll certainly answer, you know that, but I don't, I don't know what you're asking me there. Uh, Thomas Walsh asked any shot at Clemens from Portland. We talked about that a little bit. I think they have a shot, but I just, I think they have to get him back on campus. I just don't, um, I don't, uh, I just, I got to see that. And t- t- Thomas, he has been in Notre Dame before, just like Darius Clemens has been in Notre Dame before, but those were for games. And underclassmen, I think he was a, a freshman at the time, sophomore at the time. Those guys don't get a, a ton of attention. They don't get the full, they don't stay for the whole weekend. They don't spend time with the players. They just, they don't get the same feel for it, especially a kid who's only been once. Uh, so, so those visits to me don't mean as much. That's why I said with Darius, I think Darius Clemens has been on campus twice, but being on campus for a camp, being on campus for a game when you're an underclassman, is a whole different animal than being on campus for an official visit when you get to go through the whole deal. Uh, so, so that's, that's why I say, I don't, I just don't put a lot in those kind of things. Um, Thomas Walsh also asked everyone here is saying Mary Weathers going to Oregon. Does Notre Dame, Notre Dame has a shot. I I'd probably say Oregon's leader. I don't, I don't think he necessarily, I think Oregon's his leader simply from proximity, but I do think that Notre Dame is definitely a player there. I do think that they're, they're a legitimate contender there. If he gets back on campus for an official visit, then I'll feel even better about it. But again, they're in the game for it. I think they're in the top three for C.J. Williams. I think they're in the top three for Tobias Merriweather. I'm just not sure if they're the the in necessary pole position for either player. And if I had to guess, I'd, I'd probably say I, I think they got a better shot with C.J. Williams than, than Tobias Merriweather. But again, we just got to get them on campus and see what see what they can do. Uh, Dylan, do you feel Notre Dame is in the lead for CJ Williams? I don't think anyone's necessarily in the lead for him right now. I mean, I think that we, there's probably going to people say that just because we have to say something in order to get people to pay attention to those types of things. But I mean, the kid, let's wait till the kid gets on campus for visits. Let's see what he's going to do there. I, I know he's going to come to Notre Dame. I believe he's coming to Notre Dame one of the first two weekends in June. At least that's what he said, but I don't have that locked in for sure on, on my list. Uh, and I don't know what other sites are reporting as far as him visiting, but our list is comprised of what we're able to confirm with those kids or what they're able to, con- what they will confirm publicly. 
All right. Um, yes, I really like the T. Higgins comparison because, again, not a burner, not a 4-3 guy, not a 4-4-1 guy, but a guy that's going to play fast. And that's the thing. It ties back to the Moore and Walker conversation. I don't care about track times. I don't care about 40 times. I care about how you play. And can you be a big – you can be a big play guy and run a 4-5 something. You can also be a 4-4 guy that doesn't make a ton of plays. We've seen that as well. All right. Yeah, if we had better QB play, Claypool and Boykins are in the Heisman conversation. I don't know if the system would have allowed for that. Maybe with Claypool. I think Claypool might have been. I I, I think Boykin was a good player. I don't, I don't think he was as consistent in, consistently dominant in 2019 as, as Claypool was. Boykin was solid all year. There was a couple really big games, but Claypool was flat out dominant in 2019. And, and when you look at what he did on special teams too, it made him, made it really impressive. All right. Christopher, who pays for kids to travel to official visits? The schools do. Uh, everything is paid for. Travel's paid for. And I believe the NCAA rule is still that they can also pay for one parent or guardian. Sometimes it can be a coach. Uh, but it's a basically it's a 48-hour trip. So you have to be come and be gone within 48 hours. That's what the school will pay for. They can pay for travel to and from the airport. Uh, they'll put you up somewhere, whether it be a hotel or a lot of times it'll be somewhere on campus. They pay for all your meals. Everything is taken care of when uh, when, when you're when you're on an official visit. Now, an unofficial visit's the exact opposite. You can come and you can go through all the different things, but they can't pay for anything. All right, here's a here's a good receiver. How does Notre Dame keep losing wide receiver recruits to Michigan? AJ Henning and Tyler Morris. I, I think a big part of it is Michigan not recruited them for those two guys. And that's just, I mean, if if we're being honest. Somebody else give me another reason why. Notre Dame wanted both of those guys. I, I, I've had people tell me that other sites were reporting that Notre Dame liked Tyler Morris. He was the top of their slot board. Uh, so it's not like that you can come back and say now that, well, they didn't really want him, right? They wanted him. Uh, they just, they were late on him. We talked about this a couple months ago at Irish Breakdown in one of our podcasts where I had people that sat down and did a face-to-face with Tyler Morris and Caleb Brown, and they said Notre Dame just isn't on them as much as other schools. I mean, people can get upset about that and call me negative, say I have an agenda. That's all fine. You can say what you want, but this, this is things that are coming out of the mouths of these players. So what would they what would they have to gain by not being honest about it? That's the issue that's coming. Um, this is not accurate. If Xavion wanted to commit to Notre Dame tomorrow, I'm not sure Notre Dame would take it at the moment. Yes, they would. They absolutely would, based on very recent conversations, Notre Dame would absolutely take that commitment right now if he wanted to come. So Teda McMillan would stack up with Merriweather and C.J. Williams. He'd be number one on that list. That's the kid from Servite. Uh, just as a football player, I don't know as much about him off the field because I haven't done any digging on that because Notre Dame hasn't been a player on that one for a while. But he would be he would be number one. Um. Yeah, he would absolutely be on the top of my list. So let's stick to some receiver recruiting, and then there's a couple others. So Brandon asked, could could you see Notre Dame taking four receivers in this class? Do they have room for it? They don't have room for it right now. The plan right now is to take a total of three. Now, if someone leaves after spring, if one of the receivers is like, I'm tired of sitting, uh, or something happens and he wants to leave, because remember, the new rules in place uh, where players can transfer, and so in, in – I just could see, I could see a spot opening up. I'm not predicting it, but I'm saying a spot could open up, and then they would take four, uh, assuming it would be. But here's the thing: if you take four, it has to be from that top group. 
like to me, you can't take Griffin and or Groves or Anderson as part of that four. If if you want to take four that includes Merriweather and Williams and those kind of guys, and that's fine. Now, where you could get into a situation is let's say that Notre Dame doesn't feel they're going to get Merriweather or Williams uh, or Bradshaw. So they take Nicholas Anderson, who's a good solid football player. Don't get me wrong. They take him and they get, let's say, CJ Williams. That's a good threesome. And then all of a sudden, Bradshaw or Merriweather wants to come down the road. And then you say, okay, well, we have to take one of these guys. Then you could get to four that way. And you could maybe, if you don't lose another player, you could then say, you know, okay, well, we're going to have to make room and take maybe one less offensive lineman. Or let's say you strike out on your big three running back. And instead of taking a, sort of a plan B guy, you say, we're just going to use that for a fourth receiver. Those things could happen for wiggle room. But right now, the plan is to take three. Let's see here. All right, Dylan Hoffman, at what point is it going to really bite Notre Dame in the rear in, uh, when it comes to recruiting the wide receiver if they don't play guys early? I'm. It, let's see how this class finishes up because I think we could start to see it with this class. Ian Moran, is Notre Dame still working on Addison Copeland? That's the receiver from was he New York, right? Was committed to Rutgers. Notre Dame offered him a couple months ago. No, he's not really a factor right now. He's still on the board, but he's way down. I don't see them. They're not making a push for him. They're not really pushing for him right now to visit or those types of things. So he is not really a guy that is on the radar in regards to um, being a a guy that they're going to push for. So let's uh, see here if we got some other receiver questions about this. Um, okay, so you're talking about uh, Nick Lance Anderson's ranking. I, I don't think he should be ranked that low. I, I don't think he's a borderline two-star player. I, I'm just making the point that there was a big gap in how they're ranked. I don't think he's a top 50, 60 player like ESPN does. I don't think he's a top, a low three-star either. To me, he's kind of like a, a 250 to 350 kind of ranking guy. There's some tools there. There's if he, if he can get that little extra burst that he doesn't have right now on film, then perhaps, uh, you, you know, you could see that. Um, but I just, I don't think where he plays is, is really important. I mean, you're going to see guys that play on that team that, play division three they'll go to Harden Simmons or something like that it's it's not I don't care what level he plays I, I see guys that play 1A football Jack Kaiser played 1A football in, in Indiana it's about what your skill set is and how your skill set projects so he may be a heck of a high school player and I think he's a good I think he's a good football player again if you're a top 400 player in the nation you're a freaking good football player but are you elite he's just not that for me so I don't, I just don't see that kind of that level of 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 talent for him. But there are there's some upside there. You know, he's a guy that that if you'd have taken him instead of some of the other you know some of the other guys on the board, then I would I would um, I would uh, I'd be pretty happy there. Uh, Tommy asks, why is the emphasis on camps compared to games? I, I think part of it is because there's an an, an an obsession with, and I, to a degree, I get it. I mean, there's an obsession with you want to see a guy up in person. That's why you bring kids on campus. You know, what's the size? How does he stack up? I want to see a guy run in person. There's this unhealthy obsession with watching quarterbacks throw in person. So you get these quarterbacks at these camps and, oh, they look great, so I'm going to rank them as a five-star. Well, what does that tell you about how he handles pressure, how he processes information? How does he handle, you know, getting hit? How does he handle getting knocked down? Those things can't tell you that. And that's why you see these quarterbacks look great at seven-on-sevens, a.k.a. Hunter Johnson, and then they go to college and they're terrible quarterbacks because they don't know how to actually play football or they don't like getting hit or all these other reasons. So, um, 
you know, I just, I think there's, uh, there needs to be a balance. And then the other part of it is if we're being honest is they run camps. And if you, if there's nothing to gain by coming to a camp in regards to your rankings, then what's the point of having a camp? So, I mean, I, I understand it from a business practice standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to have camps and have your rankings tied into those camps and have those rankings tied into all-star games. ESPN is notorious for doing that. So I think I think that is a big part of this of this conversation too. Is is that, um, you know, those are the reasons I think they put a lot on that. But also, you know, they they hear things from coaches. Coaches want to have kids on campus and they want to see them work out. Which again, I think it's a little bit more understandable for coaches because they're investing scholarships in these kids. But uh, you know, I think that's kind of that's kind of part of it. Oh gosh, I have no idea. I have no idea what year Brian Kelly's going to retire. I think it, part of it could be how they go. If they go out and win the national championship this year, I think Brian Kelly, you know, peace out, you know, and I could certainly understand that. But I, I just don't know. I think it's so much is going to depend on. I won't be shocked if he plays out his entire contract. I won't be shocked if he leaves after two years because they've had a great deal of success and and he feels someone else is ready. I, I think that's part of it too is I think, I think Coach Kelly would like to have a say. Uh, this is a guess, 100% my opinion. I think Coach Kelly would like to have a say on who replaces him. So I feel if, if there's someone ready that he needs to kind of step aside so that person can step in, I could see him him doing something like that, assuming he felt that, you know, the program had kind of gone as far as he could go. But, I, you know, I, again, I could also see him coaching out his contract. That's just, you know, just a lot could go into that. Because you, I don't think Bob Stoops necessarily knew he was when he was going to walk away that that was it. I, I think it's just sometimes you just walk in and you say, yep, okay, that was it. I don't have that same passion for this. I don't have the same – desire for that. I don't have this. And you say, you know what? It's time for me to go. I think those are, those are the kind of things. So, um, Christopher, could Jojo Johnson play receiver? Yeah, he could. I, I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to see, I mean, Jojo could certainly play receiver. I, I think right now they need him to develop it at, at cornerback, but I could certainly see Jojo playing receiver. All right, Brandon, what is this about? Cardinal Tate, 2023 receiver. What's your, what's your question there? Was this, did somebody, did I miss something? Was somebody asking about 23 guys? Because I, di- I didn't quite see that yet. So uh, I see you're talking about a couple 2023 20, guys. I just, I don't, it's a good question. I know they tried somewhat. I just, they, there never seemed to be a lot of interest there. Uh, if you look at some of the schools he's looking at, a lot of them don't have a lot in common with Notre Dame uh, from an offensive standpoint. I mean, if you're a kid from that area and you're a receiver and you're looking at Oklahoma and Notre Dame, I mean, let's be honest, take your Notre Dame fan hat off and and where would you rather go right now? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's pretty much, you know, you're going to go to those schools that are throwing a lot. Yeah, Carnell Tate is, a, is an interesting kid in the 2023 class. I think Notre Dame's in a really good place for him right now. He's currently at IMG Academy, uh, but he played at Marist High School in Chicago as a freshman. One of the best freshman receivers I've seen in a very long time. Likes Notre Dame a lot. They're not a lock by any stretch, but he likes Notre Dame a lot. And he's a really, really good football football player. So, um uh, yeah, I like him a lot. Saban James, I have not seen Jalen Brown yet. I've heard a lot about him. I just haven't seen him yet. I haven't spent a ton of time on 2023 kids. I only watch Cardinal Tate because he's kind of local. I haven't jumped in on a lot of those guys. I watched a little bit of Nathaniel Joseph, who Brandon talked about, simply because Brian Smith asked me to. Uh, he had written an article on him, so I saw some camp film of him, a little bit of game film. Uh, you know, Cardinal Tate, to me, is more of an outside guy. Nathaniel Joseph is a slot guy, but to me, Carnell Joseph is more of an outside player. I don't view him as really a, a slot guy. Uh, Gabe Weiss asks, scale of one to 10, how are you feeling about wide receiver recruiting in 2022? I'm going to go five. And, and here's what I mean by that. 
I feel it's an it's an eight or a nine in regards to the board. I think when you look at who's on the board, there's the makings for an outstanding receiver class on the board. You've got Bradshaw, you've got Merriweather, you've got Williams, you've got Clemens. Those are four guys, and if you get two of those guys, especially if Bradshaw is one of them, that's a really good receiving class. And the fact is, is I think they're they're in, at least in the top five for all of them. I mean, there's no doubt about that. They're in the top five for all of them. Where do they rank among those top five? That's the question. And can they close? For years, Notre Dame has has finished second or third with a lot of big-time players. Marcus Freeman talked about this the other day, and Mike Elson talked about this a lot when he was interviewed last week, which is the next level is, is getting these guys to say yes, not just get them on campus for visits and finish a close second and put up that old college fight. It's about getting these guys to say yes. And when I look at the receiver board, I love the board right now. It's just that your margin for error is not great, and you've got to close. So I'm at like a four or a three right now in regards to my confidence they can close. And part of that, to be honest with you, is because we haven't started official visits yet. My opinion, when we get to June, my opinion could change a ton. I could be way more confident they're going to close. Uh, but you know, we just, we got to see them. We got to see them close first and we got to see guys set up visits, get on the visits and then see how things go, because that's going to be a part of it. And that's something I like too, because let's not forget something. Tommy Reese was hired as the offensive coordinator in January of 2020. Correct. By two months later, they've had a couple unofficial visits. One, one like locked in unofficial visit weekend. And then after that, there was the pandemic. Nobody came to games this year. They haven't had any official visits. They haven't had any legitimate unofficial visits. It's been a dead period for over a year. Most of these kids have not had a chance to sit down and talk face-to-face with Tommy Reese. Part of my optimism and why I'm a little bit more optimistic than maybe some others that that I talk to is because I think that Coach Reese is going to be able to have a really good impact when he meets these kids one on one. He's just he's an engaging guy. Uh, you know he he when you when you see him on on interviews, he's kind of got that seriousness. You know he learned that as a player at Notre Dame, and and that's how they train players at Notre Dame. You know, look, don't give anything, don't give too much away. You know, don't be too emotional. You know, all these types of things. And so he knows how to play that. But if if you know anyone that knows Tommy Reese, you know that and you talk to recruits that that have talked to him, It's it, you see a different Tommy Reese. And it's a much more engaging Tommy Reese. Uh, it's a very personable Tommy Reese. It's a guy that really relates well to players in, in a, a way where he commands respect of them. So I think if you can get these guys on campus and, and give him an opportunity to really sit down and the, for the first time as the offensive coordinator, really make his pitch, I think that's going to be effective. And that's why I'm a little bit more optimistic about it. I'd like to see a receivers coach that is more engaged and more involved. I think that would make Tommy Reese's closing job even easier, but that's not the reality. I mean, the reality is is, is that that coach coach Alexander has not done a great job. Having said that, one player he has done a good job with is Tobias Merriweather. And, and so that he has a lot of good things to say about coach Alexander. And so there's a couple players here and there that we've we, he's done a good job with. He just hasn't done it with enough. So that's also why I think if they can get Tobias on campus, I feel good. Uh, I feel good about that one. Getting him on campus for an official visit, and and I feel the same way about CJ Williams. I think Coach Reese is going to be able to have an impact as a closer if he can get guys on campus. Which we have to remember, he has not been able to do his entire tenure as an offensive coordinator. 
So we have to keep that in mind, and, and that's partly why I'm really, really looking forward to 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 seeing what he can do. All right, yeah, Andre Green Jr. is a baller. I do, I like him. I think he's a good player. I wasn't as in love with his junior film as I was of his sophomore film. He didn't make the jump that I'd hoped, but I, I just don't think that there's a lot of interest there on his part in Notre Dame right now. So we'll we'll see if that changes. But right now, I'm just not I'm not as sold on it. Brent, that's he may have. I'm like I said, my, I'm going off of what I've been able to confirm. I'm not going to scour other people's lists and then report it because then that's me just taking their information. We haven't had a chance to confirm that yet. So, and I haven't seen him post anything official. I know he's talked about taking an official visit, but I haven't seen him do it. And he hasn't confirmed with us that there is a date locked in. So that's why we have not reported that. And that's why I'm not going to say that he has it because he hasn't confirmed it with us. And if he's confirmed with others, that's great. If he's confirmed with 247 or Rivals or somebody else, that's great because they have to get him on campus. That is a big one. And that's one that I really, like I said, I do think Dell's done a pretty decent job with that one. And and if they can, if he has, and, and he's still doing a good job, then I think that's one that could coach Reese, could get him on campus and really take it to that next level because I do think he's a guy uh, that can be impactful as a closer. That's, but that's also why it's more important to coach Alexander step up and be more effective because you can't have your offensive coordinator doing all that. So I'm going to go back through here with some of these questions. There was a couple non um, receiver questions. I'm going to try to find here to, to ask people as we wrap this up. I appreciate everybody being with me tonight. Um, we're going to try, like I said, we're going to try, I think we're going to make Wednesday night be the recruiting night uh, where we'll talk about different topics and, and things like that. Um, sometimes we may make it a recruiting free for all, uh, but for the most part, we're gonna we're gonna go into these a little bit with topics. So I want to see. Here we go, Co Cronin. I know this is off topic, but two four seven. But on two four seven, it says Kamari Rogers scheduled an official visit for Notre Dame. Is that true or been confirmed yet? So I've conf- we've confirmed that he's gonna make an official visit. What we haven't gotten confirmed yet is when. That is big. And because when we last talked to Kamari, he had four visits set up and Notre Dame was not one of them. And he had said to us, he wasn't sure if he was going to make a visit to Notre Dame. He had, I think Miami, Mississippi, uh, Mississippi state. And then one other, I can't remember who the other one was, maybe Tennessee. I I honestly can't remember who that fourth one was, but he wasn't sure he was going to make it to Notre Dame on an official visit, which was concerning. So the fact that he has told us he is making that that fifth official will be to Notre Dame is huge because they have to get that kid on campus. I think if they can get him on campus, I think they're going to have a much better shot. It, but but it, you know that's the thing. Sometimes with those kids, especially from the south, it can be difficult to just get him on campus. Um, just be you know, and, and you, so you have no chance then, obviously. But it, you, they, he's a kid that they have to get on campus. He he just strikes me as a kind of kid that will fit in well at Notre Dame. Here's another one from Co Cronin. Uh, do you think Zach Rice will schedule a visit to Notre Dame? Also, Cyrus Moss down to five. Do the chances for a Notre Dame visit go up? Yeah, he, I, I believe Cyrus. Let me check my visit list. Uh, I believe Cyrus has, in fact, set up a visit to Notre Dame. I don't have it confirmed on my list. So that means we have not. Okay, I, on our list, we do have C.J. Williams for the 25th to the 27th. I thought he was going to come earlier. I'm looking at our list now. So that is good. He is locked into a visit. Um, I do not see Cyrus on this list, but I – I'm under the impression that he has, in fact, scheduled his Notre Dame visit. I know that other people have reported that. We obviously haven't gotten that confirmed yet. We'll work on getting that confirmed. But I do think Cyrus has already set up a visit to Notre Dame. I I think that's going to be huge. I think Oregon's his leader right now. But I've said with these a lot of these guys, 
I think Notre Dame's going to make big moves when they get these kids on campus. I think they've had all this time to kind of plan what their operation is going to be. I think Mike Elson being the recruiting coordinator, by the time these kids go on campus, he's going to have been recruiting coordinator for like three months, almost four months. I think, I think they're going to knock it out of the park. I think they've expanded their recruiting operation. They've got recruiting coordinators now on both sides of the ball that are off, you know, back office guys. I think Notre Dame's going to knock the official visit season out of the park. I really do. I think something else that's changed. In the past, they wouldn't have as many kids on campus in June because Coach Kelly would oftentimes be gone for a lot of the months. And as of right now, they're having schedules for every weekend in June. So I, I do like that. I think that they're being a little bit more aggressive in that. And so I I think they're going to have an impact there. So, yes, I think guys like, like guys like Cyrus Moss, guys like Zach Rice, I don't think Zach Rice is super high on Notre Dame right now. I don't know if he's going to schedule a visit. If I had to guess and make a prediction, I'd predict that he will because they are in this kind of top five or six. So I think he'll get to campus, and th- that's when Notre Dame's going to have to make their move, especially on defense. I think it's going to be especially impactful on defense. I think they're going to kill it when they get these kids on campus. Offensively, I'm a little bit more concerned because I don't think Coach Reese has that dynamic staff around him uh, that we have on defense. I mean, when you look at Elston, Mickens, Freeman, I think it's a very dynamic recruiting staff on defense. I don't know if the offense has that same level of dynamic recruiting staff. I think Coach Reese can be really good, but you have to you have to put the, the others around him. You need a Mike Mickens on offense. You need a Mike Elson on offense, and I just don't think they have that right now, in my opinion. All righty, let's see if we got any other questions. All right, all right, Jason. When I get off this call, when I get off this thing, you're getting my first phone call. We're going we're gonna have words. All right, my man. So yes. As I said in an earlier podcast, this is not gray hair. This is just leftover from a powdered donut. Okay, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So I'm gonna call you here in about ten minutes, and we're gonna have, we're gonna have some words. All right, let's see if we got any more questions, Joe. I appreciate y'all being here with me tonight. And again, we'll be back on Friday with our regular uh, 1 p.m. Eastern podcast. And then I'm trying to get a couple things. I'm trying to get uh, a couple interviews set up tomorrow. We're gonna talk some draft. I think those will be fun. But there's some other personal things going on these next couple days um that that you know we'll have to see we'll have to see all right why does everyone assume every athletic defensive player we offer is for rover i feel like we are recruiting 10 rovers i don't i don't know who they're recruiting at rover i think that right now um the main guy they're recruiting for rover is devin jackson and obviously they have nolan ziggler but i, I don't think notre dame's telling a bunch of kids they're playing rover um, I think everybody's just trying to find the next Jeremiah Usukor Moa is really what I think it boils down to. But I mean, maybe Notre Dame's telling Jalen Sneed he's a rover. I don't see that. I mean, you're, he's a guy that needs to rush the passer, and I don't see him being a, a guy that can do that. So um, here we go. Cam A. Preston is Notre Dame in the mix for Terrence Brooks. Yeah, they're in the mix. They're going to get one of his official visits. And look, if you're going to get a kid on campus, you're in the mix. I mean, if a kid takes an official visit and he only has five of them, then he likes you. So, so there, there's no doubt there. So I, I think. That's a guy that we haven't heard a ton about him. The visit's going to be big, but I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes because he's a talented player. Uh, any updates on tight end recruiting? Just that I, I still feel really good about Holden Stace and Eli Raritan. I think Notre Dame's in great position with both of them. Uh, we just got to see how they're, they're able to close. I'm very confident in Holden Stace being in the class. Eli Raritan, I think there is a, 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 a there is some work to do. Uh, Christopher says Lance Taylor is a good recruiter. That Yes, that's it. He's a good recruiter. I don't think he's a great recruiter. I don't think he's a dynamic recruiter. You know, I think he's a guy that that we've seen him miss on some of his top targets in past classes. 
And the honest, if we're being honest, the only reason he got he got Chris Tyree is because Chip Wong came in and kept him from Chris Tyree was going to going to go to Oklahoma. Notre Dame had was his leader. He went to Oklahoma. Oklahoma killed it. They crushed it, knocked it out of the park. And and Lance, you know, tried to talk him off, but it wasn't until Chip Wong stepped in and said and said some of the things that he needed to say to Chris Tyree that he needed to hear that they were able to get him back in the fold. And then of course they lost Will Shipley for whatever reason they didn't even try to get Travion Henderson although he liked Notre Dame they ended up getting a couple good running backs but look Logan Diggs said when he committed that the reason he committed was Tommy Reese and Lance Joseph or uh, Terry Joseph it wasn't Lance Taylor and and Audrick Mestime they beat Michigan State for I mean so so who are the big time guys that he's gone out and get now he has a chance to redeem himself if he can get either Nicholas Hayden or excuse me Nicholas Singleton Dallin Hayden or or Gavin Salchuk, and if he gets my top guy, Dallin Hayden, then sure, I'll I'll say that he's because he, he's going to have to beat Ohio State for him. But the thing is, you can't tell me you're a great recruiter if you're not beating top schools for kids. If you're beating Michigan State and you're beating, you know, Arkansas and Ole Miss and schools like that for kids, you're, you know, you're you're not a big time recruiter. So I, I think he's a good recruiter, but I think he's got to step it up a little bit. He's got to be more involved, in my opinion not just with running backs, with other guys. I think he's very personable. It's just about whether or not you're going to grind. And right now on offense, the only guy that I think are grinders is Tommy Reese and Jeff Quinn. And, and I think Jeff Quinn's got you know got some work to do as far as closing, but I mean, I don't question the work he puts in. He's going to put in the work. Tommy Reese puts in the work. Um, I never said he didn't have anything to do with Chris Tyree. I, if, if I did say that, I misspoke. I said Logan Diggs. He didn't have anything to he, – he wasn't the – when Logan Diggs committed, he said the reasons he committed – were Tommy Reese and his relationship with Terry Joseph, who's from Louisiana. Lance Taylor was not the reason Logan Diggs picked Notre Dame, uh, according, and that's according to Logan Diggs. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm that's gonna be part of what we do on some of these Wednesdays. Is gonna be we're gonna hey we're gonna talk running back recruiting and we're gonna dive into the film. So we'll see how these kind of go, and if these go well, then we'll start doing more of them. And, and those we may just take one individual film. So we're gonna kind of tie that into into this a little bit. So. Um, so I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Mike D. We're going to keep trying to keep these things rolling. Caleb Collins, Lance Taylor is going to lose all three of those recruiting battles. To be honest, I, I, I'm not as negative on that. I think they're going to get one of those guys. I, here's the thing for me. Here's where I'm at. I feel a lot different about where they are with Dallin Hayden than a lot of other people. I'm seeing a lot of people saying it's Ohio state. It's Ohio state. It's Ohio state. I think Notre Dame's in a lot better shape with Dallin Hayden than other people think. To the point where, if I had to make a prediction today, and it, it would take, I'd have to sit about it for five minutes because again, betting against Tony Alford is usually bad for your health and, and bad for your prediction record. But in this case, I really think that they're in a much better shape there, and I'd actually probably predict Dallin Hayden to pick Notre Dame. Now they're going to get him back on campus. He's already got a, an official visit set. The thing I like about his official visit, he's coming up the weekend of June 11th to 13th. That's not going to be a huge weekend as far as numbers-wise. That's going to be a weekend where there's some very, very important players on campus. Uh, Tui Alamaka is going to be on campus. Jake Pope's going to be on campus. Devin Moore is going to be on campus. I think there's a couple other guys that are going to schedule some big-name recruits that weekend. So I think you're going to see – I think you're going to see them close. I really do. I think that Notre Dame has done a great job closing the gap with Ohio State, and I just feel like there's a lot of things working in their favor that if they can if they can get them on campus and seal the deal, I just I like where they're at there. And I know that I'm in the minority there, but I really like Notre Dame with Dallin Hayden a lot more than other people do. Uh, at least that's where I'm at. All right. Uh, David Knight asks, 
speaking of running back, which of the which of Singleton and Hayden is the better home run hitter? Um, I think Singleton's the better home run hitter, but I think that Hayden can certainly hit home runs as well. He's more of a Hayden is more of a a, a natural runner. He's more of a he's more of a Kyron Williams, where Singleton has a lot of Josh Adams in him. Does that make sense? So like Dallin Hayden is more of like the Dexter Williams, Kyron Williams, where you know, he's not going to run a 4-4-1 at the combine. He's not going to rip off a million 90-yard runs because of his speed. But he's going to still hit the big plays because he's fast enough. But he's got a great first step, great vision. Second-level anticipation is outstanding. That's why he's my number one back. Is he the home run hitter that that Singleton is? Probably not. I think Nick's more explosive. He's more of a vertical player. But give me the more natural back over the more explosive back any day of the week. Now, if all things are equal, give me the more explosive back. But in this case, the reason Dallin Hayden's my number one back is because I don't think all things are equal. I think he is much better in all the other areas as the other backs. It's just Sawchuck and Singleton have more explosiveness. But I don't care as much about that. I really don't. Dexter Williams ran a 4.58 at Notre Dame's Pro Day, and he had a 97-yard touchdown running against Virginia Tech. How many big runs did he have? Because he had that first burst explosiveness. Now, could he get caught a little bit more effectively than if people in angle than Josh Adams was? Sure, but I, I'll take the more natural runner uh, any any day of the week. So I knew what you meant, buddy. I knew what you meant by home run. Uh, I don't want them to try to flip Tyler Morris. Honestly, I, you look at my big board at, at irishbreakdown.com. I like Tyler Morris. He's a solid player. He's a TJ Jones type of guy. But Xavier Bradshaw is a better player. I'm, I'm, he just is, in my opinion. I, I He's a more dynamic player. He brings them something that they don't have a lot of, whereas Tyler Morris brings a lot of what you already have on your roster. So especially with the ACL injury, I don't think you need to try to flip him. Let Michigan have him. I mean, he's a nice player. He's a good, solid player. I have nothing bad to say about Tyler Morris. It's just that, to me, Notre Dame needs another level of player, and he's a top 150 to 200 kind of guy maybe 250 kind of guy. And that's a good player. It's a good football player. But Notre Dame needs better, especially from a smaller guy. Give me a 6'4 guy that's maybe in that 200 range because you can do some big bot, some big ball things with him, you know, throwing the back shoulders, red zones. But if you're going to be a shorter slot type of, you know, field X receiver, you got to have some dynamicness to you. And, and I don't think that he's dynamic. Caleb Collins says offense needs to be more dynamic to help recruiting. I agree. I think – if Notre Dame goes out and has the kind of offense that I think they're going to have, and, and if, Caleb, I don't know if you saw the podcast that, that Vince and I did earlier. We're very optimistic that there's the skill players to for them to be that. You know, check that out. But I think you're absolutely right. If Notre Dame goes out and scores 40 points a game this year, or or sniffs 40 points a game and has some some big time numbers, I think you're going to see them really take off in recruiting. Even though they don't have a great staff, look at where they are now, averaging 33 points a game. Their offense was very vanilla. And look at all the receivers that are on the board right now. Now, yeah, they got to close on them. But imagine if they were putting up 40 points a game where they'd be with a lot of these guys. I think that's kind of the exciting thing um, that that you just – you just. that's why I say it's, it's recruiting at Notre Dame isn't as hard as people think. And that's what I loved about what Marcus Freeman had to say. I'm going to have an article about that tomorrow that you'll be able to check out. But I, I just – I think it's hard, but it's not as hard as people make it out to be. If you put in the work, you can be successful. And that's what we're learning from um, a lot of these new coaches that are coming. All right, here we go. Um, all right, is uh, is Bradshaw a possible Golden Tate? No, completely different player. So even though Golden was a shorter guy, Golden played like a bigger receiver. I mean, he had such great leaping ability. He could make catches, you know, 
one-on-one catches. I mean, think of the touchdown catch he had against USC in 09. I, I don't see I don't see Bradshaw making that kind of catch. I think that Bradshaw and Holt and Golden have some similarities in that Golden was good after the catch. I think I think Xavion's a little bit more elusive, a little bit more of a true slot, where Golden was more of an outside guy in a slot's body that could do some slot things. Dy- Golden was a dynamic player, but Golden did a lot more vertical things, I think, than what Xavion would do. So that, that I just I don't see that kind of guy. Uh, I think he's more of a slot. I think he's more of a guy like that. So KMA Preston asks, are, are we in good shape in recruiting battles for Hinsman and Bruner, or is Wisconsin pulling ahead of us? I honestly don't know about Bruner. I, we haven't been able to get a hold of him on the phone. I think with Carson Hinsman, I had a chance to interview him uh, in Columbus last week. I think Notre Dame's in great shape there. I mean, Wisconsin's going to be a tough player. Iowa's going to be a tough player. He is going to he is going to go to Iowa and Wisconsin first, and then he's going to come to Notre Dame on the 18th. So I like the fact that Notre Dame is last with him among those three schools. He's also going to go to Alabama, but I don't see Alabama being the big player. And he's talked about possibly going to Penn State. He hasn't set that a vis, a vis, a vi, excuse me. He has not set up that official visit yet. At least he hadn't as of last weekend when I talked to him. But I like where Notre Dame is there. I, I think they've got a really good shot with him. I think they've got a great shot with with Billy Shrouf. Although again, they got to close Bruner. I just don't know about. We have not been able to get a hold of him. So I, 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 I if I don't know, I'm, I'm going to tell you I don't know. And with that one, I don't know. M. Stace, 1987. Hey, uh, when it's all said and done, do you think this class ends up being a top five class nationally? I think it's got a shot. I think it's got a better shot than it did last year. And last year they were about eight or nine. I think this class has a chance to be even better because I think defensively this class is going to be better. Last year was a class dominated by offense. Outside of Prince Colley and Gabriel Rubio, there weren't a whole lot of highly ranked defensive players. It was a very offensive loaded class. I think this year, offensively, you know, you obviously saw Steve Angeli get a big jump in the rankings. Uh, if they can get one of the big running backs, if they can land one of those two big outside receivers, those are two highly ranked guys right there. Holden Stace is a top 250 player. Uh, I could see Eli Raritan jumping into the top 250. He's in the top 250 for me, uh, but he's not ranked there. Joey Tanona is a top 200 guy. Uh, Ty Chan's a top 250 guy. So, you know, offensively, they, they're already way ahead of where they were defensively last year, right? So I'm comparing like what I think is going to be the, I don't want to say weaker, but the lower filled with less big time players. Last year, it was offense was loaded. I mean, you had Ty, Tyler Buckner, you had um, Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, Kane Barong, uh, Blake Fisher, uh, Rocco Spindler, ton of highly ranked guys. The defense had a lot of lower ranked guys outside of the two guys we talked about. You had some four-star guys, but they were unranked four-star guys, guys like, you know, you look at Philip Riley. This year, I think it's going to be more balanced. I think offensively, it's going to be better than it was defensively. Like I said, Angeli's a top 250 guy on the national ranking side. Uh, I think Stace, who I think they're going to get, is going to be a top 250 guy. Tonona's a top 200 guy. Chan's a top two to 250 guy. Um, Some of those receivers, and that's a good offensive class. I think the difference is going to be defensively. I think this is going to be a great defensive class. You already see Tyson Ford, who's a top 100 caliber player. Aiden Gabera, who somebody mentioned earlier, got a huge bump in the 247 rankings. And props to 247 for bumping him up based off just off film. You don't see guys go from three-star to top 150 based just off film. It's got to be camps involved in all that stuff. Props to 247 for looking at the film and saying, this guy's a beast. So he's already jumped in the top 250. 
Uh, Nolan Ziegler's already now a consensus four-star recruit. Josh Burnham's a top 100 caliber player. They've got two, Junior Tulalamaka they got a great shot at. They've got a shot with, with, uh, with um, Jalen Sneed. Again, got to get him back on campus. Uh, Anthony Lucas is a guy they've got a legit shot with. I think they're in his top four or five, and I know he's got a bigger list than four or five, but I think Notre Dame's in that top group. There's some safeties that are on the board that they have a good shot with. Jaden Mickey's a top 250 recruit already. So if they can close with a couple of these big-time defensive recruits and close out with a, a just one or two – I mean, look, if they get Carson Hinsman, he's a top 100 recruit. If they get Billy Shrouth, he's a top 250 recruit. So the board is there, in my opinion, for this to be a top five class. No question about it. It's just they got to close. And, and I'm more confident that they're going to close now than I was within the last couple of years because I think Marcus Freeman is going to be the difference on defense. I, I think that's a big key. I think his presence with Mickens and Elston is going to result in Notre Dame closing better than they have recently. Because look, Notre Dame in the last couple of years has had, they've been in the top five each year at some point, almost in, in three of the last four classes, they've been in the top five at some point, but then they can't close. And then they end up falling out as the SEC teams fill up, the big 10 fills up. They fall down to their normal 10 to 12 range. This year they were in the top 10, like 8 to 10. I think this year they have a chance to be that. I think they have a chance to, to get to the point where um, they're they're in that top five group. And, David, this is a great point. Golden Tate is a great example of track speed versus game speed. Um, Dexter Williams is another one. Dexter Williams, I said, ran a high 4-5 at the pro day. That's after training for months to run as fast as he could. Does any a lot of people were shocked by that? I wasn't, but because I had heard uh, that that he was in there. But you know, I just I look at it and say, um, there there's a difference between the two. And and KMA, I don't know if you asked this afterwards, but yes, they ranked him in the top 250. Do I agree with that? Absolutely. Um, I ranked him as a four star after two games. I mean, he was he was a guy when I looked at when I looked at hate it when I looked at Aiden Gabera, he was a guy that that. He was one of those guys I say he's the epitome of why I come up with a two-grade system, and that is current grade and upside grade. He is a perfect example because he was a guy you looked at, and he was 6'6". He was on the thin side. He was a guy that needed to really bulk up his body, fill out his body, but you could see the burst. You could see the athleticism. You could see the potential. You just He just needed to fill out, right? Well, now we get to see his junior, his junior film, and he had filled out. And so you you see that that next to him take to that next level step, and so now the the upside grade is still the same, but now you see his current grade go higher because he has shown that that additional burst. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here uh, to show you this. The, I changed this right here. If you see this grade, top 250 prospect. I think you could go even higher. This is what I did after two games. I think after watching his whole junior season, this is legit. I mean, he's a top 150 guy now on my board. So. Uh, I, I saw the four-star thing coming. I was glad that 247 uh, jumped him up. I'm going to jump him up even more after I finish breaking down his junior film, but uh, he's a guy to me that deserved that jump. We saw Nolan Ziegler get a jump as well when he finished up his junior season. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're going to see that. So let's see here. Um, okay, what what is the biggest thing stopping Notre Dame from getting the number one recruiting class? Look, I just don't think Notre Dame's ever going to get the number one recruiting class because they're just not going to be able to recruit enough Southern players. And the reason I say that is, is the reality is I just I think the best players tend to come out of the South at a higher volume, which has then created a system in which the South tends to get more overrated players, in my opinion. And so I I don't, you know, Brandon says a national championship. 
even then, Brandon, I don't think they're going to be the number one class. And the other thing we have to think about is Notre Dame rarely gets past 25 in these recruiting classes. And this is what I love about the SIL American class. They don't look at rankings. They look at need, fit, talent, all those type of things. These other ones are just ranked. They're just stat based. So if you have X number of players and they could eight of them could be from the same position, but it's going to come up as a high rank class. Alabama signed at 20, you know, going to at least get to 25 every year. And that's going to result in, you know, X number of rankings. I think Alabama guys tend, some of them get tend to get overhyped. I think Alabama has get great. They get great players. Don't get me wrong. But then there's guys in the class who don't deserve to be ranked as high as they are, but they sign with Alabama. We see this at Georgia all the time. Guys start looking at Georgia or become Georgia leans, and all of a sudden their rankings go way up for some reason. And yet Georgia continues to underachieve every year uh, relative to what their recruiting rankings are going to be. So I just think there's never going to be enough Southern players in the class, and they're never going to get to that 25-man group. I mean, the Clemson class that had Trevor Lawrence in it had like multiple five-stars in it was not a top-five class because they only had 17, like 17 guys in their class. And when it's a when it's a points based system, you have to have at least twenty five guys in your class in order to really be in that. Or you're recruiting players from the south, and I think Ohio State can do that because Ohio State's going to get some of those Ohio players that are highly ranked. But I just don't think Notre Dame's ever going to have that. Nor do I care if they have that. Look, if they're in that five to eight range consistently, and they're meeting their needs, and there's balanced classes, they're going to be fine. You know, I mean, look, Florida. How many times did USC finish in the top five in the last ten years? A whole lot more than Clemson has. And USC can't sniff Clemson as a program. Florida State's finished in the top 10 uh, consistently until Willie Taggart showed up. And they they didn't play to that level outside of a two-year stretch with Jameis Winston. So I don't really care about where they rank. I care about the kind of players they're bringing in. And are they are they bringing in balanced classes? Are they bringing in playmakers on both sides of the ball? Those are the things that I, that I ask about here. All right, here we go. Last couple. KMA Preston. Has the Kamari Rogers ship sailed? Um, I know you were late into the chat, so um, – he, that ship has not sailed. I was getting a little nervous about it when he interviewed when we interviewed him last week at I, Irish Breakdown, and he said that he was not sure he's going to set up a Notre Dame visit, but he has in fact set up a Notre Dame visit. We're still trying to figure out the official date. I believe some of the other places have it. We haven't been able to confirm the official date yet, but he is visiting. So as long as he gets him on campus, then I don't think that ship has sailed. And then here's the last one before we go. Uh, came in asking you to forecast a bit here, but when this group class wraps up. Which class will be more talented offensively, our 21 or our 22 class? I think it's going to be the 21 class. And I think it's going to look, Notre Dame had a top 100 quarterback. They had two, in my opinion, four-star running backs in Logan Diggs and Audric Estime. They had a top 150 caliber tight end in Kane Barong. They had two top 100 offensive linemen. One guy that I, I graded as a top 50 offensive lineman in Blake Fisher. They had two top 100 receivers in, in Lorenzo Styles, who's a borderline top 50 guy for me. Deion Colsey, Jaden Thomas was a four-star recruit. That was a very balanced and loaded offensive class. Because there's such a big difference, in my opinion, between Tyler Buckner and, Aiden, and, uh, and Steve Angeli, the rest of the offensive class would have to be way better than last year's offensive class for it to be better. The quarterback alone. But, I mean, who's going to be the Blake Fisher in this offensive line class? I, I don't see that. I mean, maybe the receiver class gets as good, but right now it's it's got a lot of work to do. Um, running back class has a chance to be better. Receiver class has a chance to be as good, if not maybe a touch better, if they can get C.J. Williams and Bradshaw or Merriweather and Bradshaw. But even then, it's, it's you know, Bradshaw and Lorenzo Styles, same guy, rankings-wise. Merriweather and Deion Colsey 
slightly favor Merriweather, but not by a ton. And and Colsey might have just as high, if not a higher upside. So, and, and I like Jaden Thomas better than Amorian Walker. Tight end could be better because I wasn't a huge Mitchell Evans fan. The offensive line class has a chance to be better, but not by enough to me to make up for the difference at quarterback. And that's the big thing for me. And um, that, that's kind of how I look at it. So, uh, thanks, David, for being with us. Caleb Collins, everyone hit the like button. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe to Irish Breakdown, uh, the our YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the subscribe, hit the notification bell. Subscribe to our podcast, and as always, check out irishbreakdown.com. If you don't are someone who doesn't have a lot of time um, to uh, surf sites and those types of things, I understand that. What you can do is sign up for our, our Irish Breakdown newsletter. You'll find a link to it at the bottom of every single article that I put out. At Irish Breakdown, and what you'll do is every morning I'll send you our top four or five stories from the night before, or and, and so you'll you'll get a chance to see that, and it's easy to pull our stories up, and that's a way that you can continue to support us. So watch our videos, share our videos, read our stories, share our stories. That's how we grow, and that's how we make our money, and that's how we can support uh, Irish Breakdown and continue to grow, um, hire more people, find more ways to do it, all that type of stuff. So. Um, if you want to know how you can help us, those are the ways that you can help us. So yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. That's okay. I mean, they give us a platform. They, they deserve their cut. Uh, so I, I don't mind that, but we're, we're working on some things. We're working on some things, David. So just keep an eye out and we'll, uh, we'll have some things coming up and M Stace, thanks for being in here. And thanks for answering or asking the question. Uh, if anybody has any other questions, get them in now. Otherwise I'm going to, I'm going to shut this down. I'm going to go say goodnight to my wife, get my stories ready for tomorrow, and uh, and get ready for another another great day of covering Notre Dame football. So looks like nothing else is coming in. Thanks, Brandon, for being with us. Everybody have a great night. Sleep well. We'll talk to you all again very, very soon.